Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. It's a radio program dedicated to raising awareness about issues concerning animals. The program is broadcast from the 3CR studios in Melbourne, Australia, and streamed live via the 3CR website. Welcome to Freedom of Species. I'm Kate Gracie, and today I'm playing a presentation that was recorded at the Animal Activist Forum in Melbourne late last year. It's Sam Tucker, who is the Vegan Outreach Coordinator for Australia and New Zealand, and he's talking about the power of the leaflet. Now, Vegan Outreach is an international non-profit organisation that works to end the suffering of farm animals by promoting veganism through leafleting primarily on university campuses. And Sam knows his subject as he's handed out something close to a quarter of a million leaflets. Hey everyone, thanks so much uh, for all being here. So awesome to be in a room full of so many people that not only believe in the same thing, but are actively fighting for the same thing. So all of us in this room, at some stage in our lives, we were confronted by the reality of what happens to farmed animals. And when we were confronted by that reality, we made changes in our own lives uh, to help those animals. And through those own changes uh, in our own lives, we can save hundreds, thousands of animals over the course of our life. But everyone in this room realizes that we can take that a step further by speaking out for animals, by not just uh, making those changes ourselves, but by encouraging others to make it we can dramatically increase our impact for animals. And who here at the forum, put your hand up if you're here because you want to be a more effective activist now. Right, so it's pretty much everyone. So now you want to take it a step further, just like going from vegan to going and being an activist, you dramatically increase your impact for animals. Going from being an activist to being the most effective activist you can be, again, you will dramatically increase your effectiveness, the impact that you make for animals. So obviously there's lots of different forms of highly effective activism. Uh, one of these forms is what I do with vegan outreach. What we do is we leaflet at university campuses. We hand out these full-color 16-page leaflets that describe the suffering that animals experience in factory farms and how people can fight that suffering by going vegan. So throughout the talk, I'm going to be talking mostly about this form of activism, why it's so effective, and how you can get involved. But before I get started with that, I'm going to talk a little bit about my own story, how I got involved in animal rights, the forms of activism that I've been involved in, and what led me to what I'm doing now with vegan outreach. So in case you haven't um, been able to tell from my accent yet, I'm not actually from Australia. I grew up in a rural dairy farming city in New Zealand. I grew up in the rural Waikato. So as you can imagine, not exactly a hotbed for progressive thought on animal issues. Uh, my first exposure to animal rights ideas was a book that I stumbled across somewhat by accident called Man vs. Beast. So this book was part of the Cherub book series, which is a fictional series about teenage spies. And in this particular book, they infiltrated a group of radical animal rights activists. Um, so in the book, they were actually doing things like torturing and killing vivisectors, um, so obviously, you know, it's a fictional book, but the one thing that was true in this book was what the activists described about factory farming. So I read this 10, 11 years old, and I thought, surely that too has to be part of the fiction of the book. Surely there's no way that we can actually treat animals that badly. So I did some research, and I was shocked to find out that what the book described was just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the suffering that we cause to animals as humans. So at that stage, I stopped eating chickens and pigs because they were the animals being factory farmed. And again, growing up in rural New Zealand, I didn't even realize that vegetarian was an option. I'd never heard the word before, um, yet alone vegan. So it wasn't until about half a year after that where I heard about vegetarianism for the first time. I believe it was um, that Simpsons episode where Lisa goes vegetarian. That was the first time I'd heard the word. And it really got me thinking, you know, I'd already taken some steps because I cared about animals. I'd stopped eating chickens and pigs. 
But, you know, if I cared about animals, uh, ultimately, why was I eating them at all if I didn't need to? So it seemed like the obvious and logical thing to do that if I cared about animals, I wouldn't eat them. And uh, again, I went vegan about half a year to a year later when I found out about what happens in the dairy and egg industries as well. So pretty much straight away uh, from when I found out about what happens to farmed animals, I got involved in activism even before I was vegan. So the first form of activism that I was involved in was running a weekly radio show on a community radio station about vegetarianism, veganism, and animal rights. Uh, so that's me, 12 years old, New Zealand's youngest radio broadcaster. Straight away it was into this sort of solo form of activism. I also maintained websites when I went vegan about the New Zealand egg and dairy industry, because uh, at that stage there were no undercover investigations into the dairy industry or into free-range egg farms. So there's a real lack of information about why people in New Zealand should not be eating dairy and eggs. So I wanted to bridge that gap a little bit, so I set up the website and I ran the radio show. But I quickly realized that I could be a lot more effective if I worked with others, if I got involved with groups. So at that point, I started uh, volunteering for our biggest animal rights group in New Zealand, which is SAFE, which stands for Saving Animals from Exploitation. So we did things like we protested against the circuses, against the rodeos, and we tried to get legal reforms to outlaw some of the worst practices of factory farming. And we had success uh, with all of these campaigns. With uh, our protests against the circus, we were actually successful in getting the last captive elephant in New Zealand out of a circus and into a sanctuary where she's now living happily for the rest of her life. So there's now no more elephants and circuses in New Zealand. Uh, we also had some success um, going after legal reforms. We actually managed uh, to ban battery cages, although unfortunately um, they're just being replaced by colony cages, which I'm sure as you all know aren't really that much of an improvement. It's basically going from, you know, a couple of hens in a small cage to more hens in a larger cage. Um, but one of the most significant things that we got was we actually got the opposition party to agree to ban all factory farming if they get in. Although unfortunately, since they've agreed to that, they've never had an opportunity to be in government. So all of these forms of activism that I'd been involved in, there were successes in all of it, but I began to feel that it wasn't enough success. In a world that's killing 50 billion animals every year and where every single one of those animals suffers from the second they're born to the second they die, then, you know, saving one animal from a, one elephant from a circus or, you know, getting a little bit more space for the chickens, it didn't feel like me, to me, like it was enough. So at this point, I became quite disillusioned with the movement and I became a bit of an angry vegan. Uh, I'm sure this is something that... Uh, all of us have felt at times, um, you know, either we ourselves have been like this or we know people that are like this. You know, um, I really let my anger guide me. I was really uh, disillusioned. I felt like we weren't making enough progress as a movement. And I really focused on an all or nothing kind of approach. I guess, like, the way that you could sum up my approach was I would tell people, go vegan or go fuck yourself. I might not have said that literally, but I came pretty close to it a lot of times. Uh, another way you could start my approach, um, I was living with my sister after we both left home. And at the time, I was smoking cigarettes, and she would always complain about the smell. And so every time she complained about the smell, I'd say, well, at least it doesn't smell like the cooking flesh of a tortured dead animal, which is what I have to put up with from you. So <laughs> this approach I, I, I adopted for a couple of years, and um, probably needless to say, I didn't convince a huge number of people uh, with this approach. So I began to think, you know, I've been involved in so many different forms of activism. I tried so many different things. And really what had been guiding my activism and my approach was assumptions. It was stabs in the dark of what I thought would be the most effective. Um, but one thing I realized is that we didn't have to make assumptions. We didn't have to, to just take stabs in the dark about what we thought was the best approach. We could actually look to the research and to the data and see uh, what that points towards. So it was at this point that I really began to research the science around animal activism. And if anyone hasn't read these three books, uh, I think they should be essential reading for all activists. These were hugely influential in changing my approach. 
So Change of Heart by Nick Cooney is all about the psychology of behaviour change. And ultimately, whatever form of activism we're involved in, that's our ultimate goal. We're trying to change human behaviour, right? If we're working on legal reforms, we're trying to change the government. The government is run by humans. If we're working with corporations, again, they're run by humans. If we're trying to reach out to individual consumers and get them to change, all of it is about behavioural change. And behavioural change is something that has been extensively studied. It's not something that we have to, you know, take stabs in the dark at about how do we change people's behaviour. It's something where a lot of research and a lot of data already exists. And Change of Heart does a really good job of looking at all these studies and summing it up in a way that's easy to understand and directly applicable uh, to activists in any movement. Veganomics also uh, looks at a lot of the research and the data, but more specifically on what motivates vegetarians and vegans. So Change of Heart is about general uh, behavioural change and how it relates to social movements. Veganomics is more specific to our movement. And the Animal Activist Handbook uh, doesn't look so much at the data, but it's written by some activists who have been involved in the, uh, in, in the movement for several decades, and they have a lot of really important stuff to say. So after doing a lot of research, uh, it really did change my approach quite a lot to what I'm doing now with vegan outreach, which is predominantly uh, handing out leaflets that you know, raise awareness about the suffering of animals and how we can prevent that cruelty by going vegan. And we take a very pragmatic, friendly approach to this, uh, and we really take an encouraging approach too. You know, every step that someone makes in the right direction is a good thing and something that we support. So it's not coming from a place of judgment. It's not coming from a place of anger. It's coming um, from a place of reflecting our values that we feel about animals, that compassion we have to animals, applying that to every individual that we talk to, everyone that we're doing outreach. So we start from the position that everybody is on our side. No one supports animal cruelty. No one wants to see animals suffer. Most people simply don't realize how much suffering is involved in these industries, and they don't realize how easy it is to not support these industries. So that's um, you know, where we start from. And our main form of activism we do, like I said, leafleting at universities. So a lot of you are probably wondering, raise your hand if you're wondering why that's what we focus on so extensively. Okay, a few people. Um, so I'm going to go through and I'm going to explain this approach, why it's so effective. First of all, um, who's wondering why we focus on farmed animals rather than any other animals? A couple of people? Cool. So the main reason that we focus on farmed animals is because ultimately our goal as activists is we want to save as many animals as we can from the greatest amount of suffering. And by far, the overwhelming majority of animals that are used in our society are used in factory farms. If we add up all the animals killed in labs, and shelters, for clothing, and entertainment, literally every other use that our society uses animals, if we add it all together, it's not even 1% of the number that, of animals that we kill for food just for meat. So in terms of the numbers, virtually every animal that is suffering in our society today is suffering for food. So given that, it would make sense that you know, we would be devoting the majority of our resources to fighting what's the biggest problem. But unfortunately, that's not the case. As you can see on the graph, uh, that blue that represents farmed animals on the left, the number of animals that are killed, is so huge. And when you look at the actual resources in our movement devoted to farmed animals, it's really quite small. So it's something where, you know, the problem is so big and we're not dedicating enough resources to it. So that's why Vegan Outreach focuses on farmed animals, uh, because we need a lot more people speaking up on their behalf. Now, if farmed animals lived happy lives, they died quick, painless deaths, then while we would still obviously be against, you know, unnecessary killing, maybe then it would make more sense to focus on other industries. But as we all know, farmed animals suffer from the second they're born to the second they die. So whatever way you look at it, the number of individuals suffering, the intensity of suffering, really um, the majority of the problem exists in factory farms and in slaughterhouses. So we believe that one of the best ways that we can fight for farmed animals is to reduce society's demand for animal products and keep producing it until it hits zero and we live in a world 
when no animal is killed for food. And obviously there's a lot of ways we can fight for farmed animals. We can go after legal reforms, we can target uh, corporations, get them to change their practices. But ultimately I think that uh, reducing society's demand of animal products to eventually zero is the only thing that will truly lead us to animal liberation. Because as long as we live in a society that eats animals, we'll live in a society that abuses animals. So if we're you know, looking for the long term, then really this is how we, how we achieve our goal. And in the short term too, every single person that we convince to go vegan or even just reduce their consumption of animals makes an enormous difference. They'll save about 20 to 30 chickens every year, a turkey, half a pig, an eighth of a beef cow, a thirtieth of a dairy cow. So you add that up over someone's whole life, it's thousands of animals that every individual whose mind we change, you know, thousands of lives we can save. And if we factor fish into this, the numbers are much larger. We're not just talking about 30 or 40 animals a year, we're talking about hundreds of animals every year. So every time that we, we change one person's mind, we get one person to go vegan, that represents thousands of animals that will never have to be born into a factory farm and that will never know a lifetime of suffering. So if we're going to be focusing on you know, creating diet change, um, encouraging people to go vegan to reduce their consumption of animal products, then it makes sense that we want to focus on the most receptive demographic. We want to focus on the people who are most likely to change, but also the people uh, who will create the most change if they do change. So in terms of both of these factors, young people are the ideal audience to target. They're generally more open-minded. Um, they're not so set in their ways, especially um, the ages 16 to 25. A lot of the research into what motivates vegetarians uh, suggests that most people actually go vegetarian during that phase in their life, which makes sense because it's a time in our life where we're questioning who we are, we're um, you know, forming our identity really in those years. Younger than that, generally we sort of do what our parents did. Um, older than that, we become set in our ways sometimes. But in this period, when people are at about university age, it's really um, a, a crucial time in people's life in terms of um, making large changes to their life. And of course, um, they have more meals ahead of them, right? The younger someone is that we get to go vegan, the more animals they'll save because the more animals they won't eat. Not only that, but they'll also have more opportunities to influence others. They're gonna have more opportunities to talk to their friends and family about it, and uh, to create a larger change for animals. Now we focus on reaching this demographic at universities uh, for a couple of reasons. The most obvious one is that any day of the week during the semester, you can go into a university and reach thousands of the most receptive demographic. They're all right there in one place in an environment where they're ready to learn. You know, that's why they're there. They're at the university to learn. We're just giving them uh, one more thing to learn about. Universities are also, like I said, a time in people's lives where they form their identity. Um, often it's people's first time living away from their parents, so they have control over what it is that they eat. Um, you know, something that younger children might not have. We may be able to convince someone younger to go vegan, but they then have to convince their parents to let them. Whereas that's generally not the case uh, when we're talking about university students. They're able to make their own decisions, often for the first time in their life. Of course, there's lots of other places that we can reach young people, like concerts and festivals. Uh, the obvious problem with that is that most of the time, they're off their head, right? And um, sometimes that can help, but most often it doesn't. <laughs> so why do we focus on leafletting? Obviously, there's a lot of different ways that we can get our message across, a lot of different ways that we can reach people. But uh, Vegan Outreach focuses on using leaflets for a couple of reasons. Uh, the biggest one is just the sheer volume of people that we can reach with a leaflet. So some of you might have heard um, in my sort of introductory talk earlier this morning that Vegan Outreach last semester we were able to reach more than a million students around the world. So obviously like that number is pretty big but it's hard for us to visualize what that actually means. So what I've got here is uh, the Michigan football stadium. It's the largest, second largest stadium in the entire world. It holds about 100,000 people. So imagine 10 of these stadiums entirely full of people who've just received detailed information 
about the suffering of animals and how easy it is to, to help fight that suffering. So imagine 10 of those stadiums. That's how much we're reaching every single semester in a single day of outreach. Like yesterday at the Day of Action, and just an hour of outreach, we handed out about 1,000 leaflets. Think about how many more we can hand out over a day, over a week, over a year. We can also um, reach this many people for a very small investment of time and money. You know, and just a 15-minute class change, uh, you know, the, the 15 minutes before or after a class, as people are coming or going, we can easily hand out several hundred leaflets. Over a single day, we can easily hand out several thousand. And the leaflets only cost us about 10 cents each to print. So it's really a cost and time effective way to reach a lot of people. The other reason that we use leaflets is just because we know that they work. Uh, what I'm showing here is just a few of the people that got a leaflet from us, came back later, told us that they're going vegan as a result of it. And this is something that I experience almost every day. Uh, there will always be people coming back telling us that they're going vegetarian, going vegan. We'll overhear students throughout the day talking about you know, how disgusting the way animals are treated is, how they're never eating meat again. You know, we constantly get emails from students. There's actually a, a link on the back of the leaflet where people can contact us. So we get a lot of emails coming in from students telling us they're going vegan as a result. Um, we get a lot of requests for our guide to cruelty-free eating, which is a vegan starter kit. And a lot of people will specify that they got a leaflet and that's why they want the guide. So every time that we hand out a large number of leaflets at a university, we get tons of guide requests coming in. So we directly see um, so much change that's happening. And of course, we also know that the majority of the change that's happening, we never hear about. Most people who get a leaflet and change, they take the leaflet, they read it with them um, on their way off, and we never hear from them again. So even the people we do hear from is enough to let us know that what we're doing is super effective. But we also know that so many more people are changing that we never hear from. And there's a few reasons that our leaflets are so effective. And I think the biggest one is what I was saying before. We don't rely on assumptions and stabs in the dark about what's effective. We actually look to the research and we let that guide what we should be doing. And then we follow it up with testing to make sure that what we're doing is as effective as we think it should be. So the first thing you might notice with the leaflet is that we have a companion animal and a farmed animal beside each other. There's actually uh, a lot of evidence that suggests that doing this increases people's empathy for farmed animals. And I think, um, you know, without any studies, this is something that's quite intuitive. Um, I think that was a part of making the connection for me, relating what happens to farmed animals to the cats and dogs that I shared my home with, realizing that these animals were no different from each other. And I think that's something probably a lot of people can relate to, right? Yeah. So um, the name of our leaflet is also uh, your choice. So there's a lot of evidence that shows the more you reaffirm that the choice is someone's to make, then the more likely they are to listen to your message because no one wants to feel like they're being forced into doing something. So straight away, uh, we let people know that the choice is theirs as to what they eat, but we encourage people to make the kind of choice. Uh, the first page in our leaflet is really focused on social norms. So we're focused on establishing veganism as a new social norm. And there's a lot of evidence that suggests social norms are the single biggest thing that cause people to change their behavior. There were uh, a couple of studies done one, a hotel was trying to get people to reuse their towels. So they tried all these different messages. They tried, you know, charging people for new towels. They tried talking about the environmental benefits of reusing your towel. And they also tried just simply saying, most people in this hotel reuse their towel. By far, that was the most effective message at getting people to change their behavior. Right? And again, like there's a lot of research to back this up, but it's also pretty intuitive. Humans are social creatures. We like to go with the flow. Um, so it's important that we actually use that to our advantage. So in the leaflet, we talk about the millions of people that are already going vegetarian and vegan. We say it's people like you that are doing this. So we plan to people's sense of identity. We talk about um, you know, the fact that you're a kind and decent person. You don't want to see others suffer unnecessarily. And again, this is another uh, thing that's been shown to create a lot of behavior change is linking the change that we're making to someone's existing sense of identity. We want to show people that veganism 
isn't about taking on new values. It's not about taking on new beliefs. It's about living in line with the values and beliefs that you already have. You're already a kind and decent person. You don't want others to suffer unnecessarily. So start living in line with those values. So straight away we hit them with the social norms message and then we go into uh, explaining what actually happens to the animals. And we do this through telling individual stories uh, of an animal that was rescued from one of these industries. The reason we do that is because stories have been shown to stick with people a lot more and also, again, ultimately lead to more behaviour change than focusing on statistics and focusing on the size of the problem. So there was a study that was done uh, where they were trying to raise donations for hungry children. They tried a couple of different stories to try to get these donations. Uh, one was focusing on the stories of, story of one individual child who was starving. Another talked about the sheer size of the problem, the millions of children that were starving. And the third, uh, it did both. It talked about the story of this one child, and then they also talked about you know, how there's millions of children like her. So who here thinks that that third one, the last one, was the most effective? few people. Who here thinks the second story, focusing on statistics? All right, no one. What about the first story, the one that only focused on the story? All right, so that was actually by far the most effective, the one that only focused on one individual story and didn't mention the size of the problem. So there's so much evidence that suggests individual stories are so, so powerful. They're what move people and ultimately... Um, that's what we need to do. We need to move people and get them to care about animals. So by telling an individual story, we can do that. Um, we also obviously talk about you know, the horrific cruelty that that individual suffered. Uh, we focus on mostly uh, talking about the ethical reasons to go vegan because, again, uh, there's a lot of evidence that suggests that's the most, powerful, um, the most powerful way to get people to change and also the most powerful way to keep people change. So ethical vegans are more likely to stick with it uh, than people that went vegan for other reasons. Also very important here, we don't just talk about the suffering of the animal, but we also talk about her individual personality. You know, so many people think that, you know, that the animals that they eat are, you know, basically these stupid, unfeeling creatures. And there's a lot of evidence that suggests that when people are eating an animal, they uh, mentally switch off from how complex that animal is. They actually did a study where they got people to rate the intelligence of various animals, and they did this uh, with one group while they were eating nuts and seeds, and with another group while they were eating beef jerky. So when people were eating beef jerky, they rated the intelligence of these animals so much lower. So that's really important that um, we think about that, the fact that you know, a big part of the way that people justify eating animals is to kind of disregard their intelligence, their personhood, and the complex beings that they actually are. So we need to be talking about that when we're doing our activism. Uh, we also then go on to talk about what happens to pigs, talk about what happens to fish, and here, this is very important, uh, we talk about the individual animals that that person will directly save. So a big part of the reason that people don't make changes to their behaviour is because they feel that it's not going to have an effect. So, again, raise your hand if you've had that conversation. One person can't make a difference. So many people in this room, right? Um, but one person can make a difference. Uh, we all know that. We know that just by changing our diet, we can individually save hundreds of animals every year. So it's important that we show people that. We've got to show people, you know, you, if you go vegetarian, go vegan, you will save 21 chickens like this one here, you know, and we give them a name, Tilly. So, again, that goes back to telling stories. We need to show people that, you know, this isn't some abstract thing. Your choices will directly save this animal, this animal, this animal. Um, so after we talk about all that, we talk about the reasons behind veganism. We also dedicate about half of our leaflet to talking about how to actually do that. So first of all, uh, we talk about health, not only the health benefits, but also um, how to um, be healthy as a vegan. Because one of the main barriers to people going vegan is that they're worried about health. And also one of the biggest reasons that people go back to eating meat is because they didn't feel healthy as a vegan or a vegetarian. So it's super important that we address that from both angles. We've got to show people it's a healthier way to live, but we also got to show people how to do it in a way that's healthy. 
We also um, need to address one of the other major barriers um, that stops people changing to veganism, and that's that they like the taste, right? Uh, so we need to show people that vegan food is tasty, that there's so much you can eat. Um, so we have a whole page dedicated to that. Easy meal ideas, you know, foods that people are used to, we've got to show people you can still have your burgers, your pizza, everything you're used to eating now, you can have as a vegan. Uh, we have also this page on eating out where we show people where they can get vegan food, you know, at all sorts of different fast food chains and international restaurants. So we've got to show people how convenient it is, too. We've got to show people that, you know, you don't have to go out of your way to get this food. Like, eat at the places you're already eating. Shop at your regular supermarket. You know, we got our page on getting groceries where we show people exactly what products they can buy. So really, like, um, what comes up in the research as the four biggest barriers to going vegan are taste, health, convenience, social pressure. So already, we've ticked off three of those. We've addressed taste, we've addressed health, we've addressed convenience, and on the back of the leaflet, we also address uh, the social pressure through our mentor program. So anyone who is interested in making change, we can hook them up one-on-one -on -one with a mentor who lives in their area, uh, someone local to them. They can even meet up in person, or they can you know, talk through Facebook, through email, through phone, whatever both people are comfortable with. So we address all four of those major barriers to change. Um, so as a result, it leads to uh, what we're doing being very effective. Um, but some of you might be wondering, like, how effective really is it? Like, you know, hard numbers about that. So we actually have done quite a few studies into the effectiveness of leafleting. Uh, the first one that was done was done in 2012, and it was done by the Humane League and Farm Sanctuary together. So how this worked is they leafleted at two large universities in America, handed out several thousand leaflets. Then they came back two months later. Um, they didn't wear anything to identify them as animal rights activists. This is very important. They waited outside the dining hall, and they asked students to participate in a survey. Those who agreed to participate in the survey were first asked, did you receive one of these leaflets two months ago? If they didn't receive a leaflet, they were excluded from the survey. So we were left with 500 students who you know, agreed to take the survey without having any idea that it was about animal rights. So there was no bias um, in terms of, you know, if we had identified as animal rights activists, then maybe people who liked animals more might have taken part in the survey more. But we didn't have that because um, we didn't identify that way. So what we found from this study was that one in 50 people who got one of the leaflets went vegetarian or pescatarian, and one in 14 ate a lot less chickens, eggs, and dairy. So, you know, that's about 2% going vegetarian or pescatarian, and, you know, nearly 10%, oh, yeah, something like that. Sorry, my maths is horrible. <laughs> um, eating a lot less animal products. So this was the first attempt at studying the effectiveness of leafleting, but it wasn't a perfect study. There was no control group. Uh, th there were a lot of flaws in this study. So we tried to um, address some of those flaws in 2015, with our paper read trial, where we actually did have a control group as well. So we handed out 5,000 of our own leaflets. We also handed out 1,000 leaflets that were totally unrelated to animal rights. Then we um, gave people a small gift voucher for agreeing to take part in a survey about the leaflet that they read. So what we found from this study was that 50% of people who got one of our leaflets wanted to eat less mammals and birds as a result. 40% also wanted to eat less eggs, dairy, and fish. 70% discussed the leaflet with others. And 80% said that they were more sympathetic to the plight of farmed animals after reading the leaflet. Uh, then last year, we did um, the biggest, most extensive study of leafleting that's been done to date, which was, um, you know, that, that was essentially our trial, the first thing. Uh, but this was really um, the study that we based the, the 1 in 75 figure off. So what we did here is, before people read the leaflet, we surveyed them on all the food that they had eaten during the last week. Um, got people to you know, say how many animal products, how many vegan foods they had eaten. Then we got them to read the leaflet, and we followed up with them randomly three to five months after they read the leaflet. So they wouldn't know when they were going to be followed up. It would be sometime between three to five months after the survey. At that point, we asked people to again do the same thing, um, tell us what they had eaten for the week prior. 
We did this with 1,539 participants, and what we found for that week that we surveyed people is one in 75 people were vegan for that week. So, you know, we don't know how long they stayed vegan, but we know at that time they were vegan. So what this means is they were either vegan or they'd reduced all consumption of non-animal products to less than once per week. They had ate no animal products during that week. So if we put this all together, you know, I'm not going to try to claim that any of these studies are, like, perfect. Obviously, more research needs to be done. But what the evidence seems to point towards is about 1% to 2% of people that get a leaflet going vegetarian or vegan. When you consider that we hand out about two to 4,000 leaflets every single day that we do outreach on a university, you know, that's anywhere from 10 to 100 people going vegan as a result. And when you think about the fact that every vegan will save thousands of animals over the course of their lifetime, just a single day of outreach can dramatically, you know, affect the lives of tens of thousands of animals. And for really such a, a small investment in our time, a small investment of money to print the leaflets, we can make this enormous difference for so many animals. However, it's not all good news. The unfortunate thing that comes up in the research is about 40 to 80% of vegetarians at some stage go back to eating meat. When they do go back to eating meat, they generally eat a lot less. They're also more open to trying again um, than non-vegetarians. But this is something that we really have to address, right? Like, it's, it's a large percentage of people that don't stick with this diet. So focusing on convincing people to go vegan actually isn't enough. We also need to be focusing just as much on keeping people vegan. Now, the four reasons that people start eating meat again are the exact same reasons as the four biggest barriers to change. It's taste, health, convenience, social pressure. So we address all of these things straight away with vegan outreach. Um, but it's really important that whatever activism you're doing, that you address these things uh, in particular. Because not only are they the biggest barriers to change, they're also the things that, um, if we address them, it will keep people vegan. Um, there's also a general profile of those who are more likely to relapse. So people who changed their diet immediately and went vegan overnight are actually more likely uh, to go back to eating meat than those who made the transition over time. So, you know, often when we're doing activism, if we are talking to someone and they say, I'm going to go vegan right here and now, we think that's like the best possible response we could get, right? But uh, the research says maybe not. Maybe the best thing uh, is to encourage people to take the steps at their own pace, to take the time to learn about different vegan foods and start incorporating them into their diet so they can keep the change sustainable. Also, people that change for health reasons are far more likely to relapse than those who go vegan for ethical reasons. So this is why vegan outreach focuses so heavily on the ethics, um, because not only is it a more powerful argument, more likely to convince people, to change, it's also going to get them to keep that change. Also, uh, people generally relapse within their first, first three years of being vegetarian or vegan. So when you're doing outreach, uh, if you ever you know, run into someone who's a new vegan, super important that you offer them any support we can. Uh, I always have a guide to cruelty-free eating, a vegan starter kit on hand. Anyone who's been vegetarian or vegan uh, less than three years gets one of these leaflets. And so many times I've had people thank me for that because they've said, you know, I've been vegan a couple of months, I've been living on noodles and bread, I've been living on salad. And it's like, you know, that's someone who's going to relapse if we don't do something about it. So super important that with our activism, we're not just focusing on getting people to go vegan, we're getting them to stay vegan too. So like I said, we have a guide to cruelty-free eating as support for new vegans. We also have a vegan mentor program, which I talked about before. People can get one-on-one -on -one support with someone who's local to them. We have our e-newsletter, which is full of uh, recipes. It's full of health information. And we post uh, a lot of stuff to support new vegans on our various social media. Um, and yeah, so I think this is something that every activist should be aware of, the fact that we need to support new vegans. We need to be thinking about how we can do that. So hopefully by this point I've convinced you that there's value in what Vegan Outreach is doing. And um, if some of you are interested in helping out and helping support Vegan Outreach, the two ways that we can use the help the most 
having volunteers on campus with us to help uh, spread this information, or having donors uh, to help fund the printing of leaflets, because obviously like, they're cheap, but they're not free. So this is a graph of our booklet distribution and our total revenue for each year. As you can see, they're basically the same graph, right? Like, if we can get more funding, we can print more leaflets, we can distribute more leaflets, ideally expand to, to more countries and save even more animals. Now, if you want to uh, get involved with volunteering, then there's two ways you can go about this. You can leaflet with vegan outreach at an organized event. I leaflet universities uh, in Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, Brisbane, the Gold Coast, lots of regional towns in between there, Canberra as well. Um, so if you want, I can add you to our volunteers list. I can let you know when we're in your area, and you can come and join us at an official vegan outreach event on campus. Uh, but if you can't make it to the campus, if you live somewhere else, or you'd rather just do it in your own time, we're always more than happy to send out leaflets for free to any activist that wants to distribute them, and any group that wants to distribute them as well. We work very closely with so many different animal rights groups, and you know, even if we have a difference in opinion, a difference in tactics, we want to support every activist that we can. So this is an open offer to everyone in the room and everyone that's not in the room. If you need leaflets, Vegan Outreach will provide them to you for free as long as you can hand them out. So like I said before, universities are really the best place to leaflet. That's our ideal option. But it's not the only option. We also leaflet train stations, bus stations, busy city streets, concerts, festivals, anywhere where there's a large amount of foot traffic, you can hand out leaflets. So say if you can't make it to an event because you, you work nine to five, Monday to Friday, then you can do it in your own time. You can do it at the train station before you come home from work. You can do it on the weekend. You can really do it anywhere, farmer's markets. Like, really, um, the options are limitless. Now, obviously, like, leafleting is something you can do on your own very easily, but it's much more effective if you're working together. And in a lot of ways, leafleting is actually like sex. L let me explain. <laughs> so, it's good on your own. It's much better with another person. And when you get a group of people, <laughs> that's when the fun really begins. No, but seriously, uh, we do get a lot more done when we work together. Obviously, all the days that we've broken records at campuses, the days where we get out, you know, thousands of leaflets, that's days when we have volunteers. It's um, not only are you more effective, but it's more sustainable. You have a lot more fun. You know, if someone makes a rude comment or whatever, you can laugh about it together. And it really, like, helps keep you going. And that applies not just to individuals, but also to groups. Like I said before, Vegan Outreach really wants to work with every group that we can. So uh, we do things like we get in touch with the veg clubs on campus. Um, we have bake sales at the same time. We do virtual reality activism using animal equalities thing. Uh, we've had Animal Activist Collective come with us onto campuses, play slaughterhouse footage at the same time. We've had vegan outreach leaflets at protests, at vigils, at Cubes of Truth, Earthling experiences. So whatever form of activism you're involved in now, you know, if you feel like it would be more effective having some leaflets there in addition to what you're doing, then vegan outreach can supply those. And yeah, please feel free to get in touch. We really want to work with every group that we can. And you know, differences in tactics, differences in opinions are not a barrier for us. So. <laughs> Some of you, you know, you might have, you know, maybe been convinced of the value of leafleting, but you're nervous about doing it. And don't let your dreams be dreams. Just do it. Um, no, but seriously, um, that nervousness, it fades so quickly. Like, I was super nervous the first time I leafleted. Uh, a lot of people think that I'm like this really extroverted person because of what I do, because of the fact that I'm up here right now. But I'm not. I'm super introverted by nature. I was always that like weird, shy kid at school that like never talked to anyone. So you know, if I can do it, I think really anyone can do it. Most of that nervousness that we have, um, are the things that we're worrying about, they're actually not a reality. Like I was worried that I'd get so much negative reaction. I thought most people aren't going to take the leaflet. People are going to be rude. It's going to be a lot of confrontation. None of that was the case at all. Most people are super positive. Most people either take a leaflet and say thank you, or they don't take a leaflet and they say no thank you. 
Uh, it's super, super rare that we ever get anyone be rude to us. And if it does happen, it's like pretty minor. Someone might just say that they like meat as they're walking away. Which like, you know, if we have to deal with that once every couple of days to save tens of thousands of animals, I think that's a pretty fair trade. So if you want to get involved in leafleting, uh, there are a couple of tips um, that will help get more leaflets out there, improve your take rate, and you'll have more fun doing it. So the first one is to smile, to be really friendly. You want to be as approachable as you can. Um, I like to greet people. I say hello, good morning before I offer them a leaflet, make eye contact, and then I offer the leaflet in a way that's not a question but a statement. So I say help animals, help stop animal cruelty. When you give the leaflet to people, very important, you want to put it directly into their hand with your arm outstretched in front of you. You don't want to hand it off to the side when they're already halfway past you. You don't want to hand out with your arm crooked close to your body. Just boom, right in their hand. They shouldn't even have to move to take the leaflet. All they should have to do is open and close their hand. Um, so doing those two things alone will dramatically increase your take rate. Also, if you want to stand in the middle of the footpath, uh, that's even better because you can get people on both sides. If you're too far to the side, then a lot of people will just walk around you. And it's also uh, about showing confidence, right? When you're leafleting, you want to be loose. You want to show confidence even if you don't feel it. Um, so again, doing those things dramatically increases your take, right? Also, thanking people that take a leaflet is very important. There's a bit of a herd mentality with leafleting where if the first person takes one, everyone want to take, wants to take one. And if the first person doesn't take one, then it's very hard to get more out. So when someone does take it, very important that you thank them loudly enough for everyone to hear. And that way, everyone behind them far more likely to take a leaflet. Also, if someone doesn't take one, give them a thumbs up, say no worries. Sometimes I like to, you know, even if I know I haven't given them one, I'll be like, oh, cool, you already got one. Just so that other people will uh, be more likely to take the leaflet. So I only really put this in so that I could have some cat pictures in my presentation, but uh, don't be a grumpy vegan when you're leafleting. Um, be happy, be positive. You know, the more approachable you are, then the more people are going to take a leaflet from you. Now, who here is familiar with these arguments? <laughs> right? But cavemen ate meat. But what about plants? But how do you explain our canines? But what if you were trapped on a deserted island? I'm sure we've all had these experiences. It's really tempting sometimes uh, to, to get sucked into these arguments and start arguing about the length of our intestines and the shape of our teeth. And I think it's best to, to avoid that. Always bring the conversation back to the central issue, which is the suffering of farmed animals. We're not trying to win debates here. We're not trying to win arguments. We're trying to open up people's hearts and minds to the suffering of animals. So definitely answer their questions, but answer in a way that brings it back to the central issue. So when people say to me, but you know, cavemen ate meat, I don't debate with them whether or not that's true. I just say, you know, that very well could be true, but you know, regardless of what cavemen did, we have a choice about what we do now. And do you want to make a choice that contributes to cruelty, or do you want to make a choice that's kinder and more compassionate? So always bring it back to that central issue, remembering that once again, when advocating for animals, we need to win hearts and minds, not arguments and debates. You know, if you feel like you're kind of getting sidetracked from talking about the central issue and you're, you're debating all of these kind of irrelevant facts, then just remember we're not trying to win an argument. We're trying to convince this person to change and what's going to convince this person to change is opening up their hearts and minds. Also, I think very important to remember when we're talking to people that slow progress is better than no progress. We need to support and encourage every step that people take uh, because the more steps people take in a direction, then the more they will continue to take steps in that direction. And there's a lot of research to back this up too. Uh, uh, this approach is known in psychology as the foot and the door approach. So uh, there was a study done where they wanted to get people to put up these giant signs about safe driving um, on their front lawn. They're really ugly signs. So the researchers went around, they asked people, you know, will you put the sign up? Most people said no. Then they tried a different approach. They went to these houses and they asked them to just put a small little sticker in their window with the same message. Most people did agree to that. Then they went back a few weeks or a few months later and they asked them to put up the much larger, uglier sign. People who had put up the smaller sign were so much more likely to make that change. 
right? So if people are taking steps in a direction, they're far more likely to keep taking steps in those directions. So every conversation we have, we should be that person should be leaving, committing to taking some step. Even if we can't convince them to go vegan right then and there, we need to convince them to try some vegan meats, to try a vegan meal, to try cutting back. Because any step that we can encourage is going to lead to further steps later down the track. So um, that's about all I have for today. I just want to finish um, by letting everyone know that you know this movement, it's really easy for us to, to get jaded, to feel like we're not making a difference. But we are, and we're seeing results of that every single day. I've, you know, I'm only 21, I'm still so young, but I've seen so much change in the short amount of time that I've been on this earth. I've gone from, you know, people looking at me like an, I was said I was an alien when I tell them I'm vegan, to everyone knowing what that word means. You know, having vegan options everywhere. And it's already making a difference for animals. From 2012 to 2016, hundreds of thousands more people went vegetarian, and that resulted in 11 million animals being saved. So that's all I have for today. Thanks, everyone, for coming along. And, you know, if you want to get involved with what we're doing with Vegan Outreach, there's my contact information, so please feel free to get in touch. Thanks. You're listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR Community Radio 855am, and that was Sam Tucker of Vegan Outreach giving a presentation on the power of leafleting at last year's Animal Activist Forum in Melbourne. Now, Sam suggested I play this next song, which was written by his rapper friend known as MC Obsessed. This song is Think About the Animals. Oh, and by the way, there's a few F-bombs. Well, animal rights today is now the greatest social justice issue since the abolition of slavery. The worst offenders on this planet, pedophiles, sex offenders, murderers. That was MC Obsessed with his rap, Think About the Animals. A few community announcements before we go. Anonymous for the Voiceless is holding their Cube of Truth outreach events this week in Sydney CBD, in Brisbane, Byron Bay, Townsville, Wollongong, Manly, Adelaide, Melbourne and Perth. Melbourne Fish Save is hosting an event on the World Day to End Fishing and Peter Singer will be the guest speaker. Location is to be announced but it will be on the evening of Friday the 23rd of March. The Coalition for the Protection of Racehorses is holding a demo at the Mornington Cup at the Mornington Racecourse on March the 24th. And the Animal Activist Collective is doing their weekly demo and outreach in Melbourne Swanston Street on Saturday the 24th of March. All those events you can find details for on their respective Facebook pages. That's it for today. Thank you very much to Sam Tucker and to the Animal Activist Forum. You can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter and you can contact us by email Our email address is info at freedomofspecies.org. I'm going to leave you with one more MC Obsessed rap, but this one actually has our speaker, Sam Tucker, rapping a verse also. All right, see you next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.